Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Manchester United, Liverpool, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Juventus, AC Milan. From humble beginnings, these clubs rose to power and came to dominate the world's most popular sport. But while these names represent some of Europe's biggest clubs, they all share one peculiar commonality. They are not from Europe's biggest cities. In fact, of Europe's 15 biggest cities, only Madrid has consistently produced one of Europe's most dominant clubs. Today, we're going to explore how the great clubs in world soccer came to be the great clubs in world soccer. We're going to find out why the biggest clubs in the world traditionally did not come from the biggest cities in the world. And finally, we're going to look at whether or not history is repeating itself in the United States. All that more on this episode of The Yank Report. What's up? My name is Sam. This is The Yank Report, a show about all things American soccer. Today, we are taking a look at global soccer and how that might reflect on the future of American soccer. If you're into that, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button. If you want to support the channel, you can become a member. You can also ring the bell. I've never said to ring the bell, but there's like a thousand people who have already chosen to ring the bell. So shout out to you guys uh, for being early adopters there. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Speaking of supporting the channel, before we take a deep dive into the perfect soccer cities, let's hear a word from this week's sponsor. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from NFL playoffs to pro and college basketball, UFC, MMA, and more. You always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable, Bet Online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. To find out how some of the biggest clubs in the world became the biggest clubs in the world, we have to start at an unlikely place, Europe's Industrial Revolution. Now, without going into too much detail, around the late 1700s and early 1800s, the Industrial Revolution began sweeping through Europe. With the Industrial Revolution came factories, and with those factories came jobs, Across Europe, workers left their farm life in the rural areas behind and began to migrate to the larger industrial cities to begin careers as factory workers. Some of the bigger industrial cities at that time were places like Manchester, Liverpool, Turin, Dortmund, and Milan. The gradual development of a working class with both leisure time and expendable income eventually led to the establishment of soccer clubs founded by local pubs, religious groups, workers' unions, and sometimes the factories themselves. The clubs offered the workers a sense of place and community in their new cities. Supporting the local club offered a quick way to belong and an opportunity to socialize and express themselves. The local club also became a major source of town pride. Europe's industrial factory cities aren't often written about in the most glowing light, but soccer offered these communities an opportunity to garner headlines for something positive. For many of these industrial cities, the local club and the town identity are completely intertwined. As Manuel Veth writes in his article, The Birth of a Modern Game During Britain's Industrialization, the birth of fan culture is a direct result of the working class discovering their identity. I love that quote, discovering their identity. The sports working class history is well established. Most fans are well aware that many of Europe's clubs were founded by factory workers. But this does not explain why most of Europe's biggest clubs did not come from Europe's biggest cities. The 2009 book Soccernomics by Cooper and Sigmansky explores this subject in detail. They say the provincial towns Nottingham, Glasgow, Dortmund, Birmingham, and Rotterdam 
have all won European Cups, while London, Paris, Rome, Berlin, Istanbul, and Moscow never had until Chelsea finally got one in 2012. They go on to say, teams from five provincial British cities won the European Cup before London finally got one. Olympic Marseille won the Cup in 1993, but Paris Saint-Germain never has. Porto won it twice since Portugal went democratic, while the Lisbon clubs have been winless since 1962. Clubs from Milan and Turin have a combined total of 12 trophies, Roman clubs zero. The Cup has gone to Munich and Hamburg, but never to Bonn or Berlin. For many years, in fact, neither of those cities even had a Bundesliga team. Clearly, there is something happening here. The factory cities who saw their populations rise during the Industrial Revolution were able to produce clubs that became the dominant forces in Europe, while most of Europe's biggest cities failed to keep up. The clear population and economic advantages shared by Europe's biggest cities had not manifested in sporting glory. There are many speculative answers as to why this is the case. The authors of Soccernomics offer up this theory. They say capitals simply have less to prove than provincial cities. They have bigger sources of pride than their soccer teams. Londoners don't go around singing songs about their city. And they don't believe that a prize for Arsenal or Chelsea would enhance London's status. Soccer matters even less in Paris, where it's possible to spend a lifetime without even knowing that soccer exists. London, Paris, and Moscow don't need to win the Champions League. It's a different type of city where a soccer club can mean everything. The provincial industrial town. The authors of Soccernomics offer some additional insights into the specifics of their theoretical recipe for the perfect soccer cities. Dominant clubs until now haven't been from the megacities of Moscow, London, Paris, or Istanbul, but from the urban areas with around 2 million to 5 million inhabitants, Milan, Manchester, Munich, Madrid, and Barcelona. These cities are big enough to produce the required fan base, yet provincial enough to generate a yearning for global recognition. Now, I know there are many out there watching this who may be thinking, what about Real Madrid? Madrid is one of the most successful clubs in the history of world soccer. Madrid is also the capital city of Spain and one of the biggest cities in Europe. Why is Madrid different? Well, it's a complicated and controversial story involving General Franco, the former ultra right wing dictator of Spain and his involvement or lack thereof, depending on how you see it with Real Madrid. It's an interesting story that I encourage you to look into, but it's a story that's a bit beyond the scope of this particular video. The point is, the classic age of European soccer came to be dominated not by the great capitals with their large populations and historic and cultural importance, but by the smaller industrial factory cities across Europe. Now, we've entered into a new age in European soccer. Globalization and foreign money has created a paradigm shift in the power balance. Billionaires with big bankrolls have brought soccer success to some of Europe's cosmopolitan cities. Some traditional powers are struggling to keep pace as the gap between the haves and have-nots continues to widen. But as Europe looks to stabilize in the new era of the super-billionaire owner, is soccer history beginning to repeat itself across the pond in the United States? Since hosting the 1994 World Cup and the subsequent establishment of MLS, soccer has slowly but surely grown in popularity across the United States. And while the league is still a long way behind its top European counterparts in terms of top-end quality and the all-important TV ratings, MLS average attendance is a lot higher than you might expect. And guess which teams are leading the way in terms of attendance? According to MLS attendance records, which to be fair are a bit debatable in their own right, the American clubs with the league's highest attendance in 2022 include Atlanta United, Charlotte FC, Seattle Sounders, Nashville FC, and Portland Timbers. None of the top five teams in average attendance rank among the top 10 biggest cities in the United States. 
In fact, LA Galaxy and LAFC are the only teams in MLS to be both top 15 in MLS attendance and top 10 in city population in the United States. If we account for the largest metros in the United States, only Los Angeles and Atlanta are represented on both top 10 lists for population and attendance. When you look at the bottom half of the average attendance in MLS, you'll find some of the biggest cities and metros in the United States. New York, Chicago, Houston, Dallas, Miami, D.C. Granted, one year of average attendance is hardly enough information to draw some large conclusions, but attendance records from 2021 and 2020 paint a similar picture. It is not the large markets in MLS leading the way, but rather the smaller cities like Nashville, Seattle, Austin, and Charlotte. And while average attendance doesn't directly equate to passionate fan bases, there is more evidence that supports the attendance numbers. In 2021, the MLS Players Association conducted an anonymous poll asking players for the best stadium environment to play in. The players selected Atlanta and Austin. In 2022, the players selected Austin and LAFC. Finally, there are numerous subjective fan polls and fan base articles written that generally support the idea that Clubs like Seattle, Portland, Atlanta, Austin, Nashville, and Charlotte are at least perceived to be among the best supported clubs in the league, while the bigger cities like New York, Chicago, Houston, Dallas, Miami, and D.C. tend to be ranked near the bottom. So what's happening here? Is there an industrial revolution in the United States? Of course not. But there certainly has been some population migration in the United States over the last few decades. Southern cities like Nashville, Atlanta, Austin, and Charlotte have exploded in population as college-educated young adults are leaving the rural areas behind to find higher-paying jobs in emerging industries. In the Pacific Northwest, cities like Portland and Seattle saw steady growth in the 90s and early 2000s as a result of the booming tech industry and counterculture lifestyles available in those progressive cities. And just like the farmers who migrated to the industrial cities 100 years ago during the European Industrial Revolution, the people moving to these emerging American cities, likewise, are in search of a sense of place and belonging, a way to connect with their new city, a source of pride in their community. For many, a quick way to show pride in your new city is by wearing an Atlanta United t-shirt or by throwing an Austin FC bumper sticker on the car. For many newcomers to these cities, the MLS clubs offer a clean slate. There's no intimidating barrier to entry with well-established hierarchies and traditions. The clubs are brand new, and that gives the fans an opportunity to plant their roots in their new city and grow along with the club. Just like Manuel Vest said of the fans in the early days of European soccer, the birth of fan culture is a direct result of the working class discovering their identity. Now, let's explore some counter-arguments because there are many. I'll admit that comparing the growth of soccer clubs from the Industrial Revolution to the growth of soccer during the last 25 years of MLS is a bit of a stretch. We're also comparing successful clubs in Europe based on European league titles to popularity of MLS clubs based on three years of attendance records. These are not fair comparisons. However, it should be said that the parity of MLS and the newness of many of the MLS clubs make direct comparisons pretty much useless. MLS is still a brand new league on the world stage. Many of the teams at the top of the attendance rankings are less than five years old. You could argue that these new clubs are benefiting from the novelty of being new. And once the newness wears off, we could see some drop in in attendance. That's fair. It's also true that the clubs at the top of MLS average attendance have much higher seating capacity than some of the other clubs. That's fair, though the big market teams are averaging attendance well below their stadium's maximum capacity. We must also admit that some of the big market teams have just flat out not been very good recently. Poor performance tends to correlate with poor attendance. 
that can be said of some, but not all of the big market teams of the last five seasons in MLS. And it must be said that the Los Angeles teams seem to be bucking the trends. Los Angeles is the second biggest city in the U.S., and both LAFC and LA Galaxy consistently rank in the top half of average league attendance, with LAFC ranking as one of the best atmospheres in the league. And to be fair, many of the large market teams actually play their games in suburbs as opposed to the city itself. But in a way, that's part of the discussion. When NYCFC was founded in 2015, it was founded under the pretense that City Football Group had the money and political connections to get a soccer-specific stadium built within the New York City limits. Several years and several broken deals later, it seems like NYCFC may finally be getting their stadium with a 25,000-seat stadium set to be built in Queens, with a target date of 2027. Likewise, when David Beckham set out to build a new stadium in downtown Miami for his new MLS franchise, it was thought that with Beckham's name and the ownership group's money behind him, getting a deal done would be relatively straightforward. Making the deal prove to be anything but straightforward. Since 2014, Bex and his ownership group have pitched several different iterations of stadium projects, only to be rejected for one reason or another. It seems like the group may finally be able to move forward with Miami Freedom Park, but until then, the team is playing their home games in Fort Lauderdale. On the flip side, over the last few years, we've seen some of the smaller market cities roll out the red carpet to MLS in the attempt to attract a franchise. Despite the skyrocketing costs of expansion fees, ownership groups are still lining up. And while some of the local governments and some of the biggest cities in the U.S. seem to be resistant to granting the permits for stadium projects within city limits, newer MLS franchises like Austin, Cincinnati, Nashville, and St. Louis have constructed incredible stadiums and facilities that rank among the best in the world. Maybe the great American cities like New York, Houston, Dallas, and Chicago don't need MLS, but maybe Austin does. Maybe Seattle does. Maybe Portland, Atlanta, Charlotte, and Nashville see their soccer clubs as a way to announce to the country that they have arrived as emerging cities in the U.S. It is still way too early to start crowning any American markets as perfect soccer cities. The league is still in its infancy. Many of the clubs are less than a few years old, and the league is continuing to expand. Though I do think there is something to the research of Cooper and Szymanski. The idea that the theoretical perfect soccer cities are big enough to produce the required fan base, yet provincial enough to generate a yearning for global recognition. I think there's something to the words of Manuel Veth when he says, the birth of fan culture is a direct result of the working class discovering their identity. Because whenever I watch games broadcast from some of the smaller MLS markets, I feel that fan base yearning for global recognition. I can feel those communities discovering their identity and trying to express it through their supporters groups. And that's just not something I can say for teams from some of the mega cities. So while it would be nice for some of the bigger markets in MLS to regularly show the kind of attendance, passion, and support that we regularly see from some of the smaller market teams in the league, maybe just as we've seen in Europe, that's just not the way it goes. Maybe bigger is not always better. And maybe some of the emerging American markets with their raucous supporter groups and stadiums filled to the brim are setting the stage to be perfect soccer cities. All right, guys, I'm super curious to get your reactions to this one. I know it's a bit of a stretch, but it's an idea that whenever I kind of started thinking about it, it just made so much sense that I wanted to bring it out there, uh, connect these dots for you guys and, and to see what you had to say about it. Now, look, before I get a bunch of comments from the big market teams for me, like criticizing the fan bases, remember, I pulled average attendance numbers. So if you want to show that you guys support your teams, 
get out there, get in the seats and boost up those average attendance numbers and I won't have anything to say. So what are your thoughts? Did you ever really think about how some of the biggest soccer clubs in the world did not come from the biggest cities in the world? And, and do you think that we're seeing a similar trend happen in the United States? I'd love to get your thoughts on it. Let me know in the comment section. If you'd like the Yank Report and podcast form, you can find the Yank Report podcast anywhere. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram if you search hard enough. If you found this video interesting at all, make sure you hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, help me out. If you really want to support the channel, you can do so directly by becoming a member. The members really help keep this content thing going. Shout out to my tier two members, Manuel Alivarez, Matthew Doyle, Matthew Hanna, Michael Baker, Dan McVay, Mike Irish, Aaron M, and 426. Seven Motorsport LLC. Guys, thank you so much for watching. My name is Sam, and this is the Yank Report brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.